0: This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. Five. Tech for sound. Four. It's
1: showtime. Three. Let's two,
2: go on. Oh,
3: Thanks to Rode Microphones and Harlan Hogan's VoiceOverEssentials.com. The home of the Portable Pro. This is the Pro Audio Suite podcast with Robert Marshall. From Source Elements and Someone Audio Post Chicago, Darren Robbo Robertson from Voodoo Radio Imaging Sydney, from LA George the Tech Whitten, the tech to the Vo Stars, and me Andrew Peters, voiceover talent and home studio guy. My baby's trouble, trouble found you. All right, the long-awaited show where we uh, shoot out between the NTG5 and the Sennheiser MKH. 416. Uh, we have a couple of extra guests, a couple of special guests this week who are going to help us decide, are they the same? Are they different? Which one's better? Who knows? Uh, we have Chris McCallum, who is based on the Gold Coast in Australia, who's a location audio chap. Uh, we have the uh, award-winning Benstown champion uh, from Southern Cross, Osterio, Brendan Tacey. And howdy. Uh, of course, we've got the normal crew. We have uh, Robert in Chicago. Do we? Hello. (laughs) George in LA and Robbo up in Sydney. Hello, hello. Hello, everyone. All right, let's uh, just play the file. This is an A-B test between two microphones, the Rode NTG5 and the Sennheiser MKH416. They're both new, um, so there's no problem with deterioration. We're in the same environment, running through the same preamp. The preamp being a Neve 1073 DPA. So there's mic A and mic B. The Rode NTG5 and the Sennheiser MKH416. Okay, so now we've got to work out, firstly, which microphone is which. We did change the level on one because its output was lower, but everything else remained the same. Um, so, which one is which, which one sounds better, or do they both sound the same? And because it's a location actually branded as a location mic, we should probably start with Chris. I think so. I think that's the
0: perfect yeah. choice. See, I was I was going to raise the whole location versus studio use of this particular mic or type of mic, but uh, we might leave that for a later discussion. No, 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 go for it. Oh well, so well, it actually has has some major impact in being the history of the of the short, Condenser shotgun microphone was actually developed as a location sound mic to be used on the end of a boom pole and to be somewhere between half a meter and a meter from someone's mouth. So obviously when it's being used in the studio, it's a completely different application. So it has a different sound. So you actually are fighting against some of the inherent built-in traits of that microphone.
4: You're like using the proximity effect. Yes, exactly.
3: So what do you look for, Chris, if you're talking about location, mic as opposed to in-studio, mic?
0: Yeah, well, my history, I did 20 years in post in studios and I've done almost 20 years out in the field. And it's interesting, that whole crossover of using a short condenser shotgun as a voiceover mic. And I can see the reasons why, because the the reason that they sound so good is because they've got that presence boost built into the electronics of it, which was designed to lift the human voice out of any background that's being recorded on location. So obviously in the studio that that does half the half the job for an engineer is, you know, that that boost is already there. So it, it can work both for and against you. And I think I think in your particular samples that we just listened to, that's what gives away which ones the four ones Sorry, what are we calling it? 41.6. 41.6. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, get with it. I know. 416, 416, 416. I found the, the, the. I'm going to call it Sennheiser. Just
1: yeah, <laughs> okay. Just go against the grain. Yep.
0: Exactly. I found the Sennheiser to be, in your example, with your particular voice, um, more sibilant than the uh, NTG5. And I actually found the NTG-5 to be a warmer, more pleasant sound to the ear. Now, now to clarify this, I listened both on um, my JBL studio monitors, I listened on in-ear monitors, and I listened on my Audio-Technica field headphones that I use every day. So it was, it was kind of a, a common test across all of this. So I knew what I was listening to. And I immediately picked the Sennheiser because it was, I thought, overly bright in comparison to the Road, And I thought for this application, the Road shone through. That's really interesting. You've actually pretty well said exactly what Chris Gates uh,
3: from Southern Cross, a stereo in Melbourne, said to me when I sent it to him and saw him a couple of weeks ago. Almost the same, which is really interesting. Okay, well, let's um, jump across to the US. Robert, what do you think?
4: One seemed to have a little bit less bass to it.
3: Is it an obvious difference?
4: No, not at all. I mean, this is is the type of difference that could be just a half an inch difference in proximity. I mean, it's... Really subtle. You you could cut between these two mics without much of a problem at all.
3: Well, I actually I, I made sure I stayed the same distance from the mics.
4: They're really close in my
5: in my ear.
3: Yeah, yeah. Brendan, what do you think?
5: Um, I'd first like to say thank you for not going straight to me after Chris because. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks, My uh, technical um knowledge of, uh, of this stuff is just not, not in the same stratosphere. Um, and, and I think I came back to you, Andrew, after you sent that file to me. My first response to you was, oh, I think you've stuffed up, mate. You've only sent me one file. Um, yes. In, in the fact that I just heard no difference <laughs> whatsoever. My monitoring's through a pair of Adam A5Xs and um, Audio Technica um, MX50 headphones as well and, mate, I heard nothing, so I, I don't know if I need to get a new set of ears to be able to pick the nuances um, at, at, the, at the depth of what some of our other uh, guys will be picking it at, but um, that is the extent of my review.
3: If it makes it make you feel any better, I actually cut, I edited the two bits together, and I came back the next day, and then I forgot where the edits were, and I couldn't actually pick the edits. Thank heavens. I just remember the end. That's all I remember. <laughs> I knew which mic was the last one right at the end, a few last few words, but that's about it.
5: And, and it had nothing to do with too many bottles of shardy afterwards. No, about. it did
3: not. It no, which, sure. as you know, is uh, <laughs> unlike me, but uh, that's another story. That's why I haven't been
5: down for a while, mate. I, uh... Yeah.
3: <laughs> I think the last time you popped into my place, um, yeah, it kicked on. It was a late
5: night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: all right, back to business. George. Have you had a chance to have a proper listen?
2: I have to ask at the end when you actually say the names of the mics, so you're not s- switching the mics at the same time as you No, saying, that's though.
3: just the one mic.
2: Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. That was that was interesting because that was like a psychological trick. It was, wasn't it? Because <laughs> yes, I'm listening, you know, I'm analyzing
1: every <laughs> microsecond of those two, going, ah, oh, which one's which?
4: <laughs> I just kept on listening to the end like mic A and make Mike B.
2: Yeah, right. Well, the word yeah. NT, the word literally the word Rode NTG5 and the word Sennheiser 416. Yep. Clearly is way more sibilant, right? It just has mm. sibilant content. Mm. Yep. So it made me think, well, maybe that is it. So at the end of the day, the two are unbelievably close. Um I would have to say that A um slightly is slightly warmer and slightly smoother at the top, not as harsh. Um and because of that, because I know the forty forty-one six so well, I'm gonna to have to say that's probably the road. And it's also because I know the road NTG3 really well, which has been around a long time, which has always been like a mic that people thought was a cheaper Sennheiser 41.6, but actually sounds absolutely different. Yeah. In every way. And so I figure road kind of like they've been throwing at throwing things at the wall to see what sticks with all these shotgun mics. You know, they've been playing with the EQ curve over the years. And then so now the the N T G five comes along and they've come up with something that they I think sounds great and that they seem to have found a, a sweet spot between warmth and definition and you know articulation. And I think it's it's a pretty nice sweet spot. I it really is great. Um the NTG four I have here with the top end boost turned on sounds more like a forty one six. But when it's flat, it might sound a little bit more like the NTG-3. Yeah. So, you know, the NTG-4 is kind of interesting where you get a little bit more personality. You can change the sound of the mic a lot more with that boost. NTG-5, it's really like the NTG-3's heir apparent in terms of this is our next flagship mic that has no bells and whistles it has nice features nice accessories but no lots of extra bells and whistles and switches and buttons yep and just has a really clean low noise output and thereby you know i think they 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 definitely made a winner could you entertain could you interchange them i would say pretty yeah for sure yeah any any producer could get a sound that they're looking for out of the NGG 5 They could could EQ in the sibilance or the brightness or the harshness or the attack or whatever it is, Um, and vice versa. You can do the same with a 41.6 and remove it or add more (laughs) depending on the producer. So they can all be EQ'd and they can all get the same. You get the results you're looking for, but for something that's less than half or around the half the price and uh, could be an excellent travel and stunt mic, for those that already have a 416, the NTG5 is darn impressive. I really have to say.
1: Yeah, yeah, Robbo, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with the flow because the only difference I heard was the sibilants, and knowing the 416 so well, I sort of picked that sibilant file to be the 416. So I'm going to go with everybody else, which is probably boring, but um, hopefully accurate.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, basically. It, it's correct. The one with the m-
1: most sibilance is the 416. For me, and I'd be interested in your thoughts on this too, Brendan, is in radio, if I was producing that voiceover for radio, I would probably pick that 416 file over the NTG only because you want that crack, that presence, that slightly brighter thing to cut through everything when I'm making radio imaging. Would you go with that, Brendan?
5: Yeah, look, uh, yeah, fair point. Um, I I guess, you know, once you get all your processing, uh, the type of work that I do though, once I get all the processing over the top of it and, um, you know, blend it in with everything else, I I, I tend to EQ um, quite a little bit hotter in the top end for that cut through, but if that mic's going to... um, make that uh, little bit of difference, then, yeah, every little bit's going to help with that, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it's, it's interesting, though, because I, the, the other guy I was trying to get on the show, but he's, uh, unfortunately, got married, so he's on his honeymoon. But uh, he's the uh, the audio guy at the radio station I do imaging for in Dubai, and I sent him, I said, look, I've got this new mic, I'll send it to you just so, you you know, have a listen to what you think. And uh, he ran it through his processing and said, can you just use that and not use the 416? So the 41.6 got put back in the box, and he prefers this one. It works much better with his processing, and so there you go.
2: Well, here's the question at the end of the day. Are they different enough to matter?
5: No. You know, so many different voiceover people across the work that I do, and um, all using different microphones, different rooms that they're recording in, at home, in studios... And by the time I get the files and get them all built and, you know, process them to get to an end result, for for me, it doesn't really matter where the original source is coming from.
2: Yeah. In other words, the mic doesn't matter, ladies and gentlemen. That's all we have tonight, everybody. And uh, Be sure to tip your bartenders. (laughs) Exactly.
3: So, Chris, uh, you've probably had a bit of a look at the NCG5 and see what you get for location work. And it has actually been sold as a location mic. So you get the pistol grip, you get the dead cat, you get the um, the Rycote shock mount, all that kind of stuff. All comes in the package. I mean, for me, if I was a guy getting into location work, it'd be
0: a no-brainer. I would have thought. Absolutely, that was. I was going to make that point, Andrew. That um, the the fact that all that comes when when I buy a, a Sennheiser setup with that, you're looking at about two and a half thousand dollars by the time you've got all of that accessories to go with it. Yeah. And this is coming in well Australian
3: dollars seven hundred and sixty five hundred u s yeah yeah, and uh, I know they spent a lot of time getting this thing together, but it's interesting how they didn't actually direct it towards voiceover when the, the 416 is probably the most used voiceover microphone on the
0: planet yeah, but I think I think too, the reason for that what the 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 big selling point with this and from a from a location point of view is that the thing weighs seventy nine grams yeah, and when you've Wait and well that too. So when you've got something like a forty-one six or an eighty-sixty, which is my preferred Sennheiser location mic these days, but after you know ten minutes of holding out on the end of a full, a fully extended boom, that it, it puts a lot of strain on your shoulders. So to have something that's half the weight of everything else makes a big, big difference. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I don't know how they made it so light. I mean, it must be, uh, obviously, they, I think that tube is machined out of aluminum, right? Instead it's uh, spice-grade yes. aluminum,
3: yeah, or aluminum.
2: Yeah, yeah. so that a, that, I guess that's the majority of the, the weight savings right there. You know, we're in studio mics, it's all about the mass of the chassis and being machined out of brass and all this. This is a whole different beast when it's just, like you said, on the end of a 16-foot uh, boom pole. Uh, do the math if you know anything about physics (laughs) that makes a huge difference I've done some of that production mixing myself
0: it is no joke especially when we went from film to digital right jeez louise well exactly when you had an an 8 minute mag of film you knew that 8 minutes was the amount of time you were holding a boom pole in the air but now you can record for hours Oh God! just take it back just take it back keep it rolling just take it back like are you kidding me
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) Because I think they, they claim they've actually reduced the weight by sixty percent
0: by using uh, space grade aluminium as opposed to um, brass. The For other sure. the other thing that's worth pointing out too is the um, the RF bias technology, the the ability to operate under very humid and wet conditions, which a lot of mics tend to to die on. Uh, to have if I'm up in the daintree rainforest or, or doing something in a very wet environment, you need to know that the mic's going to continue to work, and that certainly is the case with the N2G5. Yeah, and what about other mics that you use? Are they the same? Well, all of all of your top end Sennheisers are the the forty one six is certainly um, the the whole MKH
4: series. Yeah, is that, all exactly.
0: End. Yes, that's right, and that's what it's designed. I've got
4: some old MKH ones from the seventies that are wonderful mics, like a four fifteen and. Some others.
0: Well, I'm there. still I'm still running a, a 12 volt T powered 416 from from the 70s, and it, uh, in fact I've ha- I had to I did I did manage to kill one. It's the only time I've actually killed a, a a 416, and that was working on the German version of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, and we had the most horrendous. Rain over two days, and I ended up sliding down an embankment and landing in a creek. And my my prized old four one six bit the dust, and not even Sennheiser could resurrect it.
2: You could hear your voice all going
0: off in the distance. I don't get paid enough for this. Splash. And is it it buried on the beach?
4: Have you you ever used an eight fifteen?
0: The long one, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Now they're, they're much better on the end of a, a, a Fisher boom pole with you know, some mechanics right. in the way to actually hold the weight because they weigh a ton. I've got an
4: 815 that someone chopped down to the length of a 416.
0: That kind of defeats the purpose, doesn't it?
4: <laughs> it kind of does. I, I wonder how much the mics are actually different and that the main difference <sighs> is just in the... Uh,
0: the interference too. I think I think the, I think the difference. Yes, that's right. The capsule remains the same.
2: I, I love to tell people with with these shotgun mics who are used to Neumanns and large diaphragm condensers how the proximity effect is a whole different beast, and how where they yes. think the microphone or the capsule actually is is not at all where they think it is, and so, so yeah, so don't. when they're like yeah. they think they're eating the mic, they're not really eating the mic, and um it's changed the way i think people think about using that the one six and other shotguns because of that it's just but it also shows you the reach right. of the of the shotgun mic that you
4: can be that much farther away like you know two two to four times the distance that you're away from a large diaphragm condenser and it still's like like it sounds like it's in your head yeah
0: I, I would be very much interested in, in testing out the NTG5 for its reach because that that tends to be a thing in location sound as to as you know how much reach you do get out of a shotgun, and that's that's where the the forty really shines.
2: What do you like to use for short mics
0: for you know in, interiors and low ceilings? I'm very much of the belief that there's not one mic fits all situations, and that that ten, tends to have been the attitude with the 41.6, is I use it for everything, but that's, that's not the case. Um, it, it depends on the location, it depends on the voice, the type of voice, the pitch of the voice. So, you know, I, I carry around a, a very heavy Pelican case full of different microphones and, and drag out what I think is relevant, and I've got everything from sort of one-inch diaphragms down to, you know, pencil condensers to ribbon mics to dynamics it really does depend on where we are what we're doing what the background noise is and who we're recording you sir are an artiste an artiste i know i think i've actually got a bit of a problem i think a glass of glass of red wine and ebay is very dangerous for me (laughs) what's your desert island mic? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, it's interesting. What so if I could only take one production, microphone? Production
4: desert island, and that production on a desert island. <laughs> I, t- I tell you production what, production in everything from the jungle to you Antarctic know, to the, Antarctic the, to yeah. the city.
0: I'd, pr- I'd probably I'd go with a large diaphragm mic. Uh, the the Rode NT1 is I think a very undervalued mic. I've I've used that in a number of situations that's got me out of a lot of trouble. And uh, but I I also have a guy in Melbourne who hand makes uh, replicas of of the German brands of of big studio mics and he does a, a brilliant job and I've got a, quite a collection of his and I recently bought a. Um, Telefunken clone of a 251, which is just beautiful. It weighs about 300 kilos, but it's just gorgeous. Uh, he's, he calls himself Open Plan Recording. He's based down in Williamstown in Melbourne. He makes beautiful microphones. I'm using really one does. of his okay. um,
5: yeah, 87 uh, replicas, the yes. OPR 87, and yes. I've had that for all my voice stuff for probably 12 months now. Yep. And um, it was actually Chris Gates from SCA Commercial Production Suggested um and have loved it. There's yeah, had great feedback as a result of it.
1: See, I was gonna throw this out at you, Brendan, because yep. I've got a I've got a 416 that I go to all the time, but when I'm doing voiceover for like a radio program, so if I'm recording the host oh, yeah, of a yeah, program yeah. or whatever, yep. I'll switch out to the TLM one oh three. And I was going to say to you, do you have a second mic that you use for a particular reason?
5: No, I, I don't. Look, I, I I hear what you're saying though, because there there is just a difference. Like when we get guys doing um, narrative type work, they tend to be doing it in the uh, studios, so in the on air studios for us, which are mic'd up. They they're not 416s in there. They're they're Neumann. Um, I forget what they are. They're these nice Neumann mics, but um, it's not EU eighty seven. But there is a difference in it, and it just sounds. Better as a narrative type of piece, as a post, a voiceover for promos coming off the 416s, which are pretty much through most of our um, uh, production studios.
0: I think I think with those large diaphragm mics, you're capturing so much more information in a, in a studio environment and, you know, you get so much more to work with in post as a result. It's a richer, fuller sound. I think that's where your choice of mics more important, too. You actually have to, if, you've, if you're compensating for the room you're recording in, the microphone has to be better. Yeah.
4: What episode was it where we were, we were talking about, like, where do you put your money in your studio? And, and I think I said, like, you know, I'd stick with the $300 microphone and fix your room before you buy a better mic. Yeah,
0: any day. Yeah. Any day of the week. Well, back back in the 80s, we always spend a lot of money building rooms. And, uh, you know, the technology was all very similar studio to studio, but the difference was the design and architecture of the actual acoustic environment you were recording in. Yeah. And we, uh, you, you would know Des De Keane, I'm guessing,
3: mm. Chris? Yes.
0: Yeah. I mean, he used to build beautiful rooms. That's right. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And no, that's a bit of a lost yes. art
0: form, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's all budgetary now. Yeah. Shout out to the guys who built uh, the Osterio production suites here in Sydney. The the suite that uh Sideshow, the pre, uh, imaging producer for Sydney, is completely glass walled wall to wall. Really? Four walls of glass. Yeah.
5: On three walls. Three three walls of glass. The uh yeah, the southern southern wall is um is
1: But it looks good yeah. though. That's the most important thing. It looks good. It's got good. a good view <laughs> over the street. Yep. Yes, yes, yes. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: So Chris, what did you use the uh, NT1 for?
0: I'm uh, I actually I use the NT1 if I need to do a voiceover on location. Often, often someone will say, "Oh, look, we're you know we're, we're shooting a commercial, we're shooting a series, and we need to do some narration because we're going to lose our talent. Can you bring along an appropriate mic?" So I've got a thing called a Chaotica Eyeball, which is a big. Oh God, <laughs> we all hate those, but anyway, well, yeah. yeah, but you know, some, yeah. you, if you saw some of the the acoustic environments I end up in, it it makes the world a difference, particularly with the NT1. So it just flattens everything out. You know, it's, it's, probably, it's certainly straight out of the box it's too flat to use but, but take it into post and you can do a lot more with it as opposed to a very bright picking up every reflection of the room sort of sound so that's that's saved me in many situations but the NT1 you know, it's a, it's a really it's a super quiet mic i think it's one of the quietest large diaphragm mics ever built and um and it's a very very flat response which often is what I'm after more than more than any enhancement because I leave it to the guys who then get it after I've finished with it to work on and, and they they don't want me to do too much to it. So
4: is that the one that we concluded was closest to the e one six?
1: Yes, it is. Yeah. Now listen, I have to ask you another question off the off off the bat here uh, and completely off subject, but I have seen photos of you, Chris McCallum, in your sound recording gear on location in the Nutty. Yes. Can you please explain? No, I can't.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The the brief story, and in fact, those photos have gone viral and I apparently appear on a Russian sound recordist's forum <laughs> and on a Hong Kong and Sri Lankan sound recorders forum. But right. the, the story behind that was we were filming a lifestyle series and we were travelling all the way up Western Australia into the Northern Territory and it was summer and it was hot. And we ended up on Cable Beach in Broome, which is an officially designated nudist beach. And um, I... For some reason, I was bunked down with the director. We were sharing rooms as we were around, went around. We had a day off. and He said, what are you doing for your day off? And I said, I think I'll go to the beach. And he said, oh, isn't that a nude beach? And I said, yeah, it is. And he said, oh, does that bother you? I said, no, not at all. I said, I'm oh, happy to get my gear off whenever. So we were filming the next day on the same beach and um, we'd filmed all the stuff we needed with the talent and the cameraman was doing all the pickup shops shops, the surf and the sun and everything and everyone had finished and the director came up to me and he said, hey, how about getting your gear off? And I said, why? And he said, oh, it'll be fun. So what we did was I, I? took all my clothes off. I put my sound gear back on, and I stood next to the cameraman who was intently looking through his eyepiece. And this went on for about ten minutes, and he didn't notice. And there were all these people lined up taking photos of us. And he's looked up and he's going, "What the fuck's going on? Why are all these people?" And he looked up at me, and the <laughs> angle he looked up at me from—I don't think he's ever recovered from. <laughs> so that that particular image went went out to all and sundry, and it became a thing. So I ended up doing um, backstories for MasterChef one year in the middle of Emerald country Queensland somewhere with a crew I'd never ever worked with. And the director said, you're the guy who gets his gear off. And I said, well, <laughs> I, really, I really don't want to be known as the guy who gets his gear off. And he said, well, are you going to do it now? And I said, why? And he said, no, no, no it'll be fun. To-. So it became a thing. So he took a photo of me. I was standing next to this poor MasterChef contestant, standing there naked with a prickly pear next to us. And, um, <laughs> Is that what you call and it? Yes. yes, yes. <laughs> um, and, and simultaneously, there were four crews around Australia shooting all of these backstories. So it became a thing. So all the sound recorders took their gear off and, and had a photo taken. And in the end, we actually all discussed there was enough of us that we thought about putting a calendar together of nude sounders. <laughs> nice. And and were the mics were the mics strategically placed? Well there's your chest that's that's when you needed a large fluffy cover. Yeah.
5: So this is where the this is where the 416 had beat the uh, the NTG 5 yeah, That's right. Yes. right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
1: Is that a dead cat or do you need waxing, you know? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I think you should change your name, mate. I think you should become the Naked Soundo. o then. Or just, Nakedsoundo. just dot Nudo. Nakedsoundo.com.au. Nudo. Yeah. <laughs> Nudo. I'd,
0: you know, I'd, rather be, I'd rather be known for quality sound recording, but look, whatever gets your work, you take <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's right, that's that's right. exactly.
1: <laughs> take just it. a large that's diaphragm.
0: Low, I'm not sure if it works for or against me yet. <laughs>
3: oh dear, oh dear, we're getting sidetracked here, aren't we? Okay, so back to the, back to the, subject, the main subject.
5: That, that's why I tried to bring it back in for you. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> so what's the conclusion
3: here of the uh, NTG5 versus the venerable 416?
2: Actually, something we didn't discuss and we didn't really have data for, You know, um, we didn't get a room tone sample between the two. Does one have noticeably higher noise floor than the other?
3: Uh, noise floor. Well, probably the forty-one six does. It certainly was had less output. So less output. So I so didn't you to, look at
2: the specs on the both mics, like the self noise or that kind of thing. But um, I think
3: the self noise of the NTG five is a lot lower.
2: Okay, cool. I mean, you would think it would be. It's it's, it's higher
4: output and lower. Uh, what was what was the difference in gain between the two? Do you know?
3: I told Robbo when I did it. It was it was quite a bit. It was almost like. Oh, f- five sixty D- six dB, I think. Yeah, so it was something like that. Yeah. You
1: told me.
2: Yeah,
0: I think what we've got to consider too is that the the technology in the four one six is That's actually fairly antiquated said. these days. Yeah. yeah, it's not really a fair comparison. Almost, I mean, it's because of the, because the 60s, technology. Really. No, see I I have retired my forty one six. I do and when I you know, I have dragged it out for things like I'm a celebrity get me out of Here because I'm I'm afraid of damaging anything else. But when when I do drag it out, I go, wow, this sounds great. But I I've replaced all of mine with the, the MKH A T sixty series, which I love. And and it also as a as a voiceover mic, I think is, is a much better option again. But that's a whole yeah. new argument.
4: That's the side diaphragm. That's a side address, no. right?
0: No, 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 no. still it's a shorter version of the 416 and and you know, much much better oh. off-axis rejection and and sound. It's it's a, a much nicer mic all around. I'm actually using yeah. it right now.
4: What's what's the uh they they have a large diaphragm side address that's uh I thought an 8000 series that's supposed to be a really kick ass mic. Oh yeah,
2: that's the MKH 800. 800.
4: That's the... okay.
2: Yeah. I would it's love kind of to an check oddity out of in their out. line.
4: But that looks like a wonderful mic though.
2: It is. It is. I I've only used it a little bit but it's nice. But uh, the
0: the 8000 series, the 8000 series is interesting from the point of view that you've got um you can actually screw off the XLRs and put them into Combox, box and make them shorter still. You can put digital uh converters on the back of them and have it as a purely digital mic as well. So they they've actually updated oh, wow. the technology quite significantly tiny, on this. Like the
2: electronics on them are tiny. The 8040 a little cardioid
0: is stubby. Yeah, well, I, I use an I use an 8040 quite a lot and it's you know in in a in a, in a low ceilinged environment or and, and because it's a wider pattern too I can actually throw it between right. two people in an interview situation. But the eighty forties is my next go-to mic after the 8060.
2: Yeah, I have a voice actor who that's his that's his go-to mic. That's what he uses.
0: Um yeah, yeah. and it's literally Three inches long with an XLR on It's it.
1: pretty amazing, yeah. Conclusions. Conclusion. Let's go around the room. Okay. Conclusions. Which one would you use and why? Okay. If let's say let's say the project is a voiceover for a radio commercial, just for the hell of it. Which one would you use and why?
5: I might jump in first if that's all right. Go. And um, because I am the least technical of uh, anybody in the room, I would be. It would purely come down to dollars for us with um, budgetary pressures that we're uh, constantly facing um if we were having to deck out any of our stations with um you know a production suite or a lot of our stations around the country where we're utilizing internal talent um are using their on air studios to record for us but if we were to set them up with the production setup i'd be going the uh the road perfect, perfect. nice yep i would agree with yep.
1: that i'll i'll go with i'll go with brendan on that one i'd go with the um the NTG for the same reasons cost wise yep
4: I'd I'd actually add that like definitely cost if it feels hey we're getting a new setup and whatnot and uh the cost is definitely attractive but in my mind also it's a smoother mic and I think that I can always EQ in if I need more brightness but it's harder to take that out without more negative effects and adding
2: it in I think
0: yeah I think um, that's a very good point
2: and in my world, you know, where my clients are working overwhelmingly, uh, the ones here in, in Hollywood, the people doing promo and commercial, trail, uh, promo trailer stuff, they're going to keep using the 41.6 because it's just the mic that is still in all the studios. It's the mic that all the engineers' ears the are already tuned to hearing. It's what their templates are already cued for. And so they don't have to put down the coffee and it's a brand recognition. So when there's a voice actor who's trying to make his way into this business and wants to sound like he's a pro, he can say, I've got a Sennheiser 41.6. If you say Rode NTG5, they go, oh, Rode, okay, there's a Rode. But, you know, so that's, that's, that's the only reason at this point to push the 41.6 on some people, but um, the NTG-5 is is just overall and just about every way the superior mic, in my opinion.
1: It's interesting point though, George, because I think Brendan and I, and to some extent Chris and Robert, are coming from a, a, a perspective of we're recording it so we know the sound to expect. But I guess the interesting thing to think about is if you're in a home studio and recording and you know, there's an engineer at the other end waiting to get that file. Hearing that 41.6 sound is something that you're expecting. So when you don't get that, that's when your ears perk up and you go, hang on, what's going on here? So that that's kind of I think
0: interesting, I, I think, think. Robo, you could actually, I reckon you could actually say that you've got a 41.6 and be using the NTG-5 in a home studio and no one's ever going to know the difference. I really don't well, think anyone's going to pick it. <laughs>
1: that's another point <laughs> yeah, altogether. Well, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's I another agree. question. There's another In fact, point. If you'd like yeah, to yeah. fix
4: your four sixteen, just buy an NTG five and take the thing apart and put the NTG five inside the four sixteen. Well, yeah, and that's and right. you fixed your four sixteen. This is this
2: is based on some some anecdotal evidence where I had a client where I EQ'd the sibilance out of his 416, slightly, and his studio promo I won't name the three letter acronym. But uh, big time, you know, whatever studio, they're like, "What happened to the mic, Rick? Uh, it doesn't sound right." Um, Rick's like, "George, did you did you do something? Did you did you did you mess with the mic?" I was like, "I just pressed the EQ button on the channel strip and turned it off." Okay, I just smoothed it out, took the sibilants out of it, and they were like, "Something's wrong with that mic. Something's wrong with that mic." They were just so used to that it, that sibilant edgy sound that, is part of it. That's the thing, though. The four sixteen, it slices yeah, it's like through a laser. everything.
4: It's just like it, yeah. it's obnoxious and yep. it gets through. But, but one thing I was going to point out is that it's, it's not just about the talent having a 416 because it's an easy choice. It's because if there's other engineers out there that are not enlightened to the NTG5, then the talent is basically not to blame
2: if they have a 416. Right. It's not that they have a better mic. It's that they yeah. don't have a 416. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you have to buy both. Yeah. There you go. End of story.
3: <laughs> I reckon you just uh, I reckon you tell everybody that's what you've got a forty one six, then don't bother buying one. They'll never pick it. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely.
2: You could you could do that pretty quite quite easily. Yeah. I mean, as you guys oh, heard, it was the similar the similarities. They're incredibly similar and only the pickiest, you know, day in, day out does nothing but cuts promo on a 416 is gonna really maybe notice.
1: Difference you nicely DS that 41.6, and we'd be having a completely different conversation,
3: yeah. And the other thing is, if you are going to, uh, by chance do stuff over Skype where they're using a video based off the foam pop filter from Sennheiser and stick it on your NTG5, and if they get a photograph. They think it's <laughs>
0: G- Genius. In <laughs> yeah, fact, okay, there's, no. there's probably a market in that. We could come up and start <laughs> selling say, fake yeah. Sennheiser
1: foamies and we'd make a fortune.
5: Just, just don't let them see yeah. how much is hanging over. Yeah that's, right, yeah, that's right. We
1: could make stubby holders that could go with it too. That's right. <laughs> yeah.
4: Are they the same diameter?
3: Yes. Yeah. They're a 19mm mic. Both yes, of them. they are. Except the uh, NTG5's shorter. Yes. It's about 30% shorter. Is that right?
2: I believe so, yes. Do they have the same kind of interesting off-axis response like the 416 you know when you go off axis has that really bizarre bumpy
0: well I think I think that's the that, that's what we're talking about the older technology that was that's where the the, the 416 falls apart is when you go off axis yeah whereas the you know certainly their the new 8000 series is much much cleaner when you when you turn an 8060 away from your talent they just fade away they don't go thin they don't do that horrible thing right. so I, I would be very interested to hear that on, right. on a ntg5 I'm guessing it would have a very nice off off axis right. sound
4: they get the combed out okay
0: well how about this
3: if i move off axis and i'm doing it right now walking around the side of the microphone yeah you're just fading away
0: now i'm yeah. coming back here we are i'm back again
4: yeah i mean the high end goes away quickly but that's to mm. be expected
0: but you with the with the 416 you get that thinning out and and almost sort of upper end distortion when when you go off axis and you're not getting that with the NTG5
3: Well, I've got to say my two bobs worth, I would actually go, I would definitely, well, I have. I've already made the commitment and the NTG5 is the mic I use in here.
1: From now on, will be called the AP. (laughs) It should be,
3: the (laughs)
0: APG5. Uh, While while I've I've briefly got an audience, can I put a call out? I lent someone my Rode NT3 microphone and it's never come back and I can't remember who I lent it to. So if anyone's out there's got it, can you please bring it back? I actually like, I like
1: that mic. Buggers, Uh, bring Bring it it back. Otherwise, yeah. he'll turn up nude at your front door.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'm looking at the polar pattern to to sum that whole thing up, and uh, they do actually have a polar pattern view of the NTG5, and and just as you said, it is very smooth. Uh, you know, each each frequency band rolls off at a different rate, but within that band, it's a smooth decay.
4: The air, the physical area. Right. So you can see when you yeah, look at the like... yellow
2: rolls off the the 16k rolls off very quickly, and as you go down in frequency, they roll off you know less and less, which is what you expect to happen, and it's a smooth roll off. There's no bumps, you know. It's perfectly smooth.
4: I'm wondering if the NTG5 has it has as tight a pattern, and as big of a back node as the um, 416, given that it's shorter. And does it act a little bit more cardioid or hypercardioid than it is shotgun?
0: I did see a demonstration of both that. And I think because of the shortness of the interference tube, you are are picking up more from (laughs) the rear.
4: What is the price difference?
0: Uh, Half the price of a 41.6.
4: No bleep. Yeah,
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) it's not even fair because the NTG 5 has like $150 or $200 worth of accessories. Yeah. So it's really like a three hundred dollar US mic plus a pistol grip plus you know all this other stuff.
0: The other thing to mention too, which is which is Rode's outstanding feature, is their service. I've I've, I've had many situations where things have happened in the field to microphones, and without question, they've fixed them and and often under warranty. I had I had talent drop a lav mic into a cup of coffee. Oh, no. <laughs> Cap, capsule first. Oh. And I was I was actually working near Silverwater where Rhodes Factory is and I actually took it Did in there. Did you
4: get a that, recording of
0: that? Yeah. <laughs> no, no it, it stopped shortly after that. But I, I, I took it into service. I stood in reception. I said, this is exactly, I was totally upfront. I said, this has just come out of a cup of coffee. They unscrewed the capsule. They brought me a brand new one. They put it on. They said, there you go. Thanks very much. And I walked away. Not a, not a cent spent. And I know with, um, I've probably got, I don't know, 10 12 13 road mics of various descriptions and I register them all for the 10 year warranty where it's available and and it's a great service it really is. Yeah. That's
4: yeah. you know funny. I I think this is something that happens with uh local manufacturers. Um, cuz Shore is here in Chicago and basically I've not done it but I've heard many people around here all say this like like oh I found an SM57 in the garbage and it's completely shot and it looks like it got driven over and you take that thing over there and they'll just
1: basically give you a new mic.
4: And I've heard more than one person say
3: that.
1: I'm coming to Chicago to go through the garbage bins in that case. <laughs> <laughs> Mic's everywhere. All yeah.
3: righty. Well, I think um, we've come to some kind of conclusion. Uh, so uh, I'm I'm going NTG5. Anybody else? Right there with you. Yeah, I'm with you. Yep, I'm there. Yeah. Yep, cool. Yep, There you go. Consensus. The conclusion is NTG5. Well done, road. Well done. Chris McCallum, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Brendan Tacey, thank you. Been great. This show was mixed by Voodoo Radio Imaging, edited by Andrew Peters, using Rode microphones and Source Connect Now, tech support from George the Tech Wiz and supported by Harlan Hogan's voiceoveressentials.com, the home of the PortaBooth Pro. You
2: look for